0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Yes, Alan, I'm fine. Thank you.
0: Okay, that's great. I just wanted to make sure you're all good to go. Have a great show. Thank you.
1: Here are you all ready to go,
2: Manny? Hey, we good? Yep. All right, we'll get this information out to anyone's listening right now, which I highly doubt because. <laughs>
0: No,
3: uh sorry, next door. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, man. We'll get we'll get started in just a minute. Yeah, sure. All right, guys, Welcome to another edition of Rigs and the U. We apologize for the delay. Things just happening last minute, but you know what? you got to sometimes just go with it, Manny, and run with it and make something happen, I guess. That makes I, sense. More. Oh, I can't even think right now. It's just been a long day, and a long day that's going to end with football. Finally, after months, football is finally back. The Hall of Fame game is going to happen tonight. We're gonna have the Buffalo Bills taking on the New York Giants. We'll get to that in just a little bit. A lot of action going on on the gridiron, but then there's some stuff going off the gridiron. We won't give you all the baseball talk because I'm sure by this point, with all the trade headaches going on, uh, everyone's done with that. So we'll focus mainly on football tonight. But if you have anything else on your mind, feel free to give us a call and tell us what you want to hear. We'll have that number for you guys in just a little bit. But Manny. What do you want what's to start tonight? there, hey, is there anything hey. you want to talk is there anything on your mind in particular that you want to start off with?
1: Oh, there's definitely something I want to start off with tonight. Let's talk about Riggs passing his insurance test. I'm sorry, let's what's that Benny? Let's talk about Riggs passing his insurance test. Getting a solid yeah. eighty two on that bad boy. That's what we should start off with.
2: Hey, start us off. <laughs>
1: Well, ladies and gents, you know, I went in and took my insurance test after failing the first time or so. And, uh, you know, your boy went in there and got an 82 on the, on the test that was significantly harder. You know, it's because I endured. So let that speak to the heart of sports there, ladies and gents, But you can't be a quitter. You always have to go in, and when in doubt, keep rigs in your mind, all right? Uh, let me be the light that leads you towards the promised land. Well,
2: we happy that you finally got that and you said, Finally, that perseverance of being able to battle through and get that. You know what? What better way to transition than to talk about something that happened last night—the NFL Hall of Fame induction class of 2014. A bunch of great guys going in last night,
1: including my man Michael Strahan.
2: Absolutely. We'll talk about Michael Strahan in just a little bit. And before I mean, before I get into the main reason why I want to talk about the Hall of Fame induction. Let's talk about some of the players. And one player I want to talk about in particular is Ray Guy, the punter from Oakland. First pure punter to make the NFL Hall of Fame. It was a historic night, to say the least, Mandy. And as someone that played football, you understand the game, okay? Some people are going to look at it, and they're going to be like, well, why does a punter belong into the Hall of Fame? He has no business, just in that. Well, at the end of the day, that's a big part of the game. And when you have over 1,000 punts in your career, 100, 1,049, and only three get blocked, you're doing something pretty damn well. And especially for someone that averaged 42.4 yards per punt, was an All-Pro six times. I mean, the guy was just phenomenal. 77 punts inside the 20-yard line. The guy did it all, and he was the he's the only punter ever to be drafted in the first round. He drafted.
1: 23.
2: Number twenty-three back in nineteen seventy-three. So it says something when you happen to get drafted in the first round. You're, putty. you don't see that happening every day. Hey, what's your thoughts about Ray Guy finally getting the call into the hall?
1: Well, you know, you got to look at this guy. I mean, the seven-time Pro Bowl selection, six-time first team, three-time Super Bowl champion man, with the Raiders, with the Raiders, and stuff like that. You know, the second-team All-Pro. This guy was a consummate professional. You know, you don't really you think of and This guy's got to be at the top of the hill. You know what I mean? And you spoke on it earlier, saying that he's had over 1,000 punts and only three of them have been blocked. That's awesome. But, Mike, I've got to play down the other side tonight. Who cares, guys? Who cares? I know the punt game is serious, and I know you're such a special teams guy, Mike. But, come on, how often are punts really getting blocked in the NFL anyway? It doesn't happen that often. And I guarantee you, anybody can go out there these days, pretty much, for the most part, and punch 1,000 punts with getting about three of them blocked. maybe five. Well, here's my thing with Manny. Not to doubt him. I'm sure he was amazing with what he did, 42 yards or 43 yards. That's awesome. That's an awesome average. But I'm just saying, come on, guys. We got some other guys waiting in line to get into the Hall of Fame here. I'm going to
2: say this, Manny, right? And it's not even about the stories that you hear from people. I mean, I had this discussion with my father. He used to go to the games, preseason games, the regular season games, whenever the Patriots were playing the Raiders and I'm not lying, Tim along with thousands would go to the game two hours early just to see this guy warm up. He'd be kicking the ball so high that he'd be going over the, cr- the, uh, the crust of the stadium. You so could be seeing the ball outside the stadium if you're basically looking at it, which is just something unbelievable. So what I'm trying to get at is, yes, you know, the idea of a punter in the Hall of Fame, it seems unorthodox. It's probably not going uh, to happen anytime soon again, if ever. But the point is, Ray Guy did something that no one else will probably ever do. Like I said, drafted in the first round. He changed the game. His coughing kicks are unbelievable. But the big thing is with this, Manny, right? You look at that. What is Ray Guy doing, okay? He's knocking down the barrier for, for special teams guys to be able to get in. But more importantly, right, Hunters, when you think field goal kickers, okay? What happened with when Adam Vinatieri gets an opportunity to be able to get elected into the Hall of Fame? Does he deserve to get in? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? Because Absolutely. he was he's consistent, and the other thing is he was clutch. He's probably the best field goal kicker I've ever seen in my lifetime, and I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people would agree with that because of his clutch kicks, especially the one first the Raiders to get to that game, go to the AFC Championship first the Steelers, and then obviously go on to win their first Super Bowl versus the Rams. But I think being able to be someone that is first is very important. And just because you're first doesn't mean it's going to be a trend these next 10 years where you're going to see five, six, seven punches. Like I said, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, if ever again. Ray Guy was a special guy and absolutely deserved a chance to be able to make the Hall of Fame. I'm extremely happy that he finally got that call.
1: Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you there, Mike. You know, you know the statistic about hang time, and I mean that's rumored to be because of him since that rule was since that statistic was in, uh, instituted during his career. So you know you got to take your hat off to the guy. I, I hear what you're
2: saying. and I think I think the other thing people are going to look at is and this is going to bring me to my next point, Danny. A lot of the guys when you listen to them speak this year, in particular, I mean Eric Brooks. I people have known this since the day he he played football at Florida State. Just an absolute class act. Okay, Great guy, same way. You can say this about a bunch of these players that were inducted this year, just a bunch of great guys, Vaughn Humphrey. But here's something, Nanny, and it's very – I was looking at it this way. When you think Hall of Fame, what should be the deciding factor in order for you to be going into the Hall? Should it just be your football ability or should it be character as well?
1: There are definitely got to be some character in there as well, Mike. You know, you think of Hall of Fame guys, and these are the guys that you want to be able to look back on who have played the game not only at a supremely high level but also have been champions on and off the field. You want guys who can stand up and be a role model and show that the NFL is an organization that has more value and tactics, has guys who are great characters, men for others. You don't want just guys who are dominant on the football field because, I mean, you know what, Those are dominant, does it? Doesn't standout guys who are also dominant on the football field, such as the man, Ray Lewis, such as Michael Stray, such as Ray Guy, and the rest of the inductees into the Hall of Fame this year. You know, you want guys like that who could stand up and be role models and ambassadors for the NFL and show that though we've had some wonderful trouble past, those guys are still messing up today. These are some outstanding guys who are in the Hall of Fame right now, and they can be looked up to as role models for younger generations.
2: Manny, everything, everything you said is what not only I'm growing up to believe, and it's everything I'm going against when I say this, but I disagree with that. And the reason no. why is, and the re- here's the issue, Manny, okay? You have guys that are obviously, at the end of the day, in a perfect world, I'd love to be able to put guys that not only the best football players but also the best character, but unfortunately, you're not going to get guys like that all the time, and when you talk about Hall of Fame just being the greatest athlete obviously people are going to be looking up to him I'm going to use a, uh, just the name in particular because everyone's going to know this guy okay, and I'm not yep. saying um, you know two separate incidents be had post, uh, post being um, inducted into the Hall of Fame, but look at someone like O.J. Simpson, inducted into 1985 and you, you can believe whatever you want with whether he killed, whether he was uh, a murderer or not, I mean, you know, that's something for another day. I mean, obviously, a huge part of uh, of his of his legacy, nonetheless. But he gets arrested uh, a couple of years ago. So my point is, this guy, from a character standpoint, does he belong in the Hall of Fame? If you talk that's about that, it. absolutely not. But I think I think this is one of the issues, man. Okay, and I was really I was really thinking about this one today, and I know I know I, I came up uh, on you out of the blue with this question, but when I look at it, we'll use someone, for example, like Justin Black, now,
3: he's going to have to
2: have a hell of a career to be able to get in, because obviously, with everything that's happened to him, you know, it'd be, it'd be a great story that he's able to overcome this and everything like that, but you see a guy like that, and you think, absolutely not, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame, blah, 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 but what happens if he goes out there, and he just absolutely dominates, you know? statistically let's say he was able to break records sherry rice records i mean this is obviously growing uh hypothetical possibilities now like you wouldn't believe when you try to compare someone like that to sherry rice but my point is as nfl players not even just nfl professional athletes when you look back at high school hall of fame college hall of fame they really try to focus on character and there's a lot of political uh things that come into play there um you know, with the committees and different things like that, school committees. But you look at different things like that. If you look at the workforce, when someone gets honored for an award, the issue is when you see stuff like that, you see, you know, uh, Billy Billy Bob gets arrested or something like that, he might still get inducted into the, film hall of, uh, uh, you know, the Boston College Hall of Fame because they're not in the limelight as much. It's because these guys are in the limelight that it takes away from what they're doing on the field. Now, is that an excuse for them to be able to go out there and do that kind of stuff? Absolutely not. But I feel that it gets to the point where we see these guys so much that we're taking away from what they did on the field. And like I said, I want to agree with you 100% uh, with what you're saying, because at the end of the day, you want people in the Hall of Fame that little kids can look up to. But I I just find it so hard to say that if you have someone, like let's say Tom Brady, let's say Tom Brady committed a huge crime this year, okay, do we believe that based on, you know, it feels like, what well, a real heinous crime. Absolutely he uh, does believe deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but look at his numbers. I mean, how do you up one of the best quarterback then? I mean, it's tough. It's tough, man.
1: And I think, I think that's a great point that you bring up, Mike, but at the end of the day, this is the Hall of Fame. This is not a pro, this is not a a Pro Bowl selection. This is not an All NFL team. This is not the. This is not even the 100 best players of the decade. This is the Hall of Fame. Like you, guys, wait years and years and years to get into the Hall of Fame. Okay. Gonna, the gonna, let me cut, you, let me the cut you
2: off. Let me cut you off real quick, man. Okay, Richard Sherman. We know he's. I mean, he's, he's a hell of a player. I know he's going to have a, a hell of a career. We already know that. Very bright individual, but he's obviously yeah. outspoken. We know that. My point is should that take away from what he's doing on the field? Absolutely not. That should have no deciding factor if they were to vote that kind of player into the Hall of Fame.
1: you know what I mean? Because he's off, because he's outspoken? Absolutely not.
2: Absolutely not. Some people would say, based on his character... That's not a we, law. Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, he does things that from people the wrong way, but you know Ray what?
3: But, look at,
2: exactly. Look at Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders from so people D. the D. wrong the the way. way. Sure. Hell of a player. Marshall Faulk. From people the wrong way. Tom are
1: spoken at times.
2: Mm. So, I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, there's even stories with Jerry Rice and just the way he, was, he, he carried himself sometimes with people. I don't really want to get into that because I don't know that story compared to some other players. But my point is, when you have players and you look at it from a character standpoint and you try to balance what they do on the field, At the end of the day, to find some of the elite Hall of Famers, I mean, that class would even probably be, if not half, down to a quarter. I mean, Michael Irvin, this story, if you want to go read a great book, Boys Will Be Boys, about the Dallas Cowboys, the stories in the 90s. He stabbed a uh, a rookie in the neck while he was waiting to get a haircut. He wanted to get a haircut, and the rookie was in the chair, and he said, yeah, that's the rookie. And he was halfway down with his haircut, and the guy said, no. Grabbed scissors, stabbed him in the neck. Lucky the guy didn't die. I mean, is that someone that has great character? Absolutely not. But what did he do? He got it done on the field. He got it done
1: on the field, Danny. Yeah, but you look at guys like that and like Randy Moss to some extent, and you think, you think all of the illustrious accolades that Randy Moss has, you know, being – I mean, when you get a verb named after you, that's when you know you're getting it done on the field. But then you think about the attitude problems that Randy Moss has. That affects his game. I mean, the guy's walking off the field early before games are even done having a bad attitude. He's hard to get along with in the locker room. Things like this keep you off of the Hall of Fame. These are things that should keep you off the Hall of Fame. These are things that at least stop you from being a first ballot Hall of Famer to being a second ballot Hall of Famer and so on and so forth. These are things that get you elected to the Hall of Fame years, 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 and years, years after your heyday. These are the things that are determining factors for that, which, which makes me believe that like, these are some of the things that should be able to hold you out of being in the Hall of Fame altogether. Now, does anybody want to see that? No, but I think when you mention guys like Randy and when you mention guys like Michael Irving, they're going to get their accolades anyway, regardless. But, but why, but why should you? But you said you're going to get them regardless. Why
2: should you get that?
1: They're going to get their accolades regardless. I don't think they should get the Hall of Fame regardless. I think they should get their accolades
0: regardless.
1: People are going to say, oh, they're awesome. So they're going to get their Pro Bowls. They're going to get their uh, All-Pro selections, all that stuff like that. They're going to have that. But being in the Hall of Fame, I think, should be something special. It should be a, a, a very tight knit fraternity, which it is. But I don't think that you should be letting the Hall of Fame just based on what you did on the field. I mean, you got to look at Derek Brooks. That was like Derek Brooks setting the bar high, man. You know, got his undergraduate, went back and got his master's degree and stuff like that. He's you a know, businessman as well as a great football player. Men like this deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame is prestige. There's been a million good players who come through the NFL. But the Hall of Fame is for a specific fraternity, I believe. No, I maybe,
2: like, I, like I said, Derek Brooks, we, we talked about that. Probably one of the classiest guys in the NFL. If you want someone to look up to not only just as a football player, but as a role model, Derek sure. Brooks is the ideal guy to follow, 100%. For My sure. thing, I, I, I just think though, especially when you listen to these stories, that's another thing that I think when you when you talk about character, I mean, some of these guys, you know, at the end of the day, they're not going to be the poster child to be, you know, best. The best, you know, the the best guys represent how the game should be played in the sense of off the field and what they represent and carry themselves. But when you hear a lot of their background, it's so difficult. I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but like like I said, Michael Irvin stabbing someone in the neck—I mean, you know—that's not an excuse for anybody. But you, you hear the stories about, especially with Andre, you hear something like, you know, most recent Andre Reid talking about how his father was an alcoholic and stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff. I mean, this is stuff that people obviously deal with in everyday life, not just NFL players. But I think, when, I think when you look at the big picture of it all and see what they were able to overcome, did they kill themselves in the best way always? No. Not no. all the guys did. Not all the guys did. But when you try to piece everything together, okay, character. Uh, ability on the football field, background. I mean, it's amazing when you look at it. Just to say, you know what? One percent of the people in the world play in the NFL. They make one percent, and that's and that's including that's including making training camp. So you want to break all that down? I mean, I'm not the math, but we all know it took me forever to, to get guys math. But you look, you look past that, and then you realize, okay, crap. These people aren't aren't only didn't they not only did they make it to the NFL, but they also made it to the Hall of Fame. And that mm-hmm. one goes down to probably point, point .0 something, I have to say, or at least point, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a number that's probably too small to even explain, man. But you get the point. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's so tough to say when you try to decide, you know, all the little factors and whatnot. Uh, I mean, you look at someone like Pete Rose, you know, and gambled. I mean, I can see that. You want to keep them out, because they gambled. You change the game. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's so tough, though, when you try to balance everything together, though, man. and try to you know what's the perfect person. Because at the end of the day, no one's perfect. I think uh, you hear that right. from everyone's speeches.
1: Oh, nobody's perfect. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, you look at Ray Lewis, and the jury's still out on whether he did that or not. But what uh, the example that he left with uh, the rest of his team, during his whole career, he was career, after he messed up that one time, which he had kind of got away with it. But uh, which he, if he messed up, if he messed up, is the best idea, is the best way to say that. But if he messed up that one time and he got away with it, um, the way he lived the rest of his life on the football field or as an NFL player and so forth now, even as a commentator, you know, you've got to give it up to this guy. I'm not saying that you have to have a, a clean record. I'm not saying that it has to be perfect, but I want to see that you're putting your best foot forward and your best effort to be a, a great role model and a great man for others. You know,
2: Maybe I think I think that's the thing you have to you have to do. At the end of the day, you know what? I'm going to make mistakes. You know, own up to them. I mean, yep. you know, we obviously everything going on. It's a touchy subject with some people. I'm not going to really get into it right now because, well, I can't afford to. Um, I'm sure you you can't afford to as well. With was saying something that's going to rub people the wrong way. With everything that's going on right now with Ray Rice, I'm just going to stay away from that right now. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's different things that people do, okay. And I think I think this goes back to what I was talking about, man. Okay, Ray Rice. Now, let's say he has a tremendous football career, okay, and he's able to overcome what he what he did. Okay, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame if he has all the same numbers?
1: No.
2: You say no wow. or yes.
1: Wow, uh, what a question, Mike. I, I love how it's you said that one over and let,
2: me, and let me, and let me, and let me, the reason why I say that, I man, I'll let you think about it for a little bit is, let's say this happened in everyday life. And what I mean by that is, let's say Ray Rice was just your regular guy. You know, he was your next-door neighbor, who called your job, you know, you see him every day, and this happens, okay? Now, at the end of the day, from a character standpoint, I mean, I know personally, that's not the type of guy I want to hang out with. Ray Rice, Absolutely as, not. As, as, as a person, I don't want to hang out with Ray Rice just because that, that's, those aren't people I want to associate, associate myself with. I
1: don't
2: however, want a guy like that on my head. However, and that's, that's, something you could, that's another argument for another day. However, when you look at it from a football standpoint, and I don't even want to say teammate, when you look at his football numbers, It's tough to say that if he has Hall of Fame numbers that he doesn't deserve to get in. Because, I mean, I don't have the list in front of me. Maybe this is something we can do next week and we can kind of break this down. I'm sure if you look at the number of guys that are in the Hall of Fame, I'm sure a lot of them have had issues in the past. I guarantee you, and the list would probably go on and on and on and on. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis is going to get inducted. that's, That's a given. He's going to get inducted in four years. I mean, Of course. I mean he he had, he's had domestic uh, domestic um issues in the past with beams and I mean little things like that. I mean, does that mean he shouldn't be in? I mean it's so like I said, it's tough to stay uh to be able to get a player that puts everything together. Because number yeah. one, no one's perfect, but when you're such and that's the other thing, man. when you're such a good player, what's gonna happen to you? The line play's yeah. gonna be on you twenty four seven. So what happens when For you sure. slip up? It's gonna be everybody you. knows. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts on that before we move on. I know we kind of got into that, but I think it's just something that people need to think about. You know, because I think it's definitely something that some people think. You know, he should be in there. He doesn't belong to be in there. But it's tough. It is so tough to be able to decide what makes someone a Hall of Fame. And I think that's a word. That's a word that has to have an asterisk next to it sometimes as well, especially when you talk about professional athletes. For sure, my guy
3: agrees.
2: So. Another guy that we can talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame, we can move on. I know people are getting ready for this big game tonight. We'll be on the air, it seems like for quite some time. To get you guys that number that I've been promising you guys for quite some time as well. But uh first preseason games going on tonight, maybe we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But the Giants, they have someone that got inducted last night, and that's someone that a lot of people, especially Guys that grew up in our generation, Manny, are going to remember just because of the way he plays. Michael Strahan, just an outstanding athlete, and I think he said it best last night, and we'll talk about that just a little bit, but here's the number, guys, to call in. 646 Once
0: again,
2: that's 646-200-3724. Um, Manny, something I just love that he said last night, though, was the fact that at the end of the day, people come up to him, and some of them don't even, don't even recall that he plays football. And it's amazing how football can be a platform to give you opportunities in other aspects of life and you're able to run with that. I think when he said that, I was like, you know what? That's exactly it. That's exactly I mean, that's life in general. It's not even just football. You're given an opportunity. People know you as Oh, you know, Doug the uh, Doug the custodian or something like that. But you change people's lives because of that platform. I think that I, I think honestly that was one
1: of my favorite quotes of the night. Absolutely. You know, you got to look at Michael Strahan. He's this man is the arch- the, uh, the the archetype. You know, uh, Michael Strahan. was a dominant defensive defensive end from New York Times. Dominant. But then you look at how well spoken he is, like, You know, and it's sometimes. Big, handsome guy, you know, well spoken. Got a nice gap tooth for a uh, for some character in there, you know. Got the big gap tooth grin for some character. And you think you look at this guy speak, you watch him on TV. He seems like he was born to be a, a television personality, you know, Michael McKelly. Not even talking about football anymore necessarily, but having a daytime a morning show and to America loving him for this. So it's one thing to see these guys come out of the NFL and go and talk about football. Well, of course, you should be awesome at that. Why? Because you played it your whole life. You get the game better than anybody else you did. But to be able to step out of that arena and into another and still persevere, still dominate, so to speak, or still be fluent in that area, in that arena, just shows that, wow, this is not just a person who was a dumb jock, which a lot of uh, athletes are referred to as. This is an intelligent being who was good at one thing, which was football, and he was also good at another thing. So, kudos to Mister Michael Strahan, and it was great for him closing out the uh, Hall of Fame last night. You know.
2: No, and I, I think I think Manny, I think what happens
1: sometimes
2: is and I've had this talk with with a couple former athletes. I mean, Joanne Cruz, we've talked about this. Troy Brown,
0: some of the guys mm-hmm. have been
2: able and been fortunate enough to to do work with, and. Some of the best stuff that you hear, though, is from these players when they're going around and they're being known for stuff that is outside of the game. Because at the end of the day, when I mean, we talk about it, okay, yeah, who wouldn't want to be a football player? You get to live, live a glamorous life and all this, you know, you're playing mm-hmm. the game you love. But more importantly, and at the end of the day, this is what it's honestly all about. It has nothing to do about the love of the game or anything like that. You guys have family. They have kids to feed. They have wives to provide to. This is a job for them. So, yes, we look at them as being tremendous football players. And I think at the end of the day, they're always going to have that love for the game. But at some point, especially, I mean, I can't speak upon it because I haven't had a kid before. I don't have a wife. When you have that child to provide to, at some point, it, the, the light in your head, it just, you know, it switches. I mean, the flick in your in uh your, um, the switch in your head just flex, you know, the light turns on, and you realize, you know what, yeah, I'm playing a great game that I love, but I'm going out there, and I got to earn money, I have to do this for my family, this is my job, so when football is all done, they get older, you know, they're trying to figure out how can I be the best, not only be the best person I can be, but how can I be the best to, to have a positive influence on my family, how do I want my kids to you know, and I think being able to go out there and be known for something other than football it speaks volumes of that Joe andrews he does numerous charity charity work and I think that's at the end of the day what he's going to mostly be known for, I mean everyone's going to talk about football but, I mean excuse me, he'll be made mostly known for his football work but a lot more people are going to know him outside of that, that's going in football, for the stuff that he did off the field and I think, man, at the end of the day that's what it really is all about, and that's what a true Hall of Famer is, you so
1: want to go back to what we talked about before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A guy that's definitely able to make the most out of his opportunity. You know, football is awesome to be a platform, you know, because you go, and not to be cliche, but you take these guys who a lot of times didn't have much growing up, you know, and then they get these opportunities to be a football player and be in the limelight in the NFL. But to see the guys that really take that step and really just run with the opportunities that they've been given, it's really amazing. You know, it's really amazing. You don't want to just see guys go out there play their career and be banged up old guys who who used to be. You want to see them have an illustrious career in the NFL, come out, and then be something great outside of that as well. Use it for what it is, but then take it to the next level.
2: And I think the issue is, Manny, a lot of people have that issue of finding something outside of football once it's all said and done. I mean, we're going through it right now. Yes, we only played Division Two football, okay? A lot of people say that you guys only play Division Two, but at the end of the day, this is something that we did since we were little. And mm-hmm. I think you look at it, you can use it as a small, small sample of what the NFL guys have to do, okay? Once their career is done, what happens next, you know? How do they cope with that? Because at the end of the day, we talk about these Hall of Famers, not every guy is going to do that. Well, at least the average lifespan of an NFL player right now is two and a half to three years. So what happens mm-hmm. to some of these guys? What happens if you're a free agent that gets cut during training camp? You know, there's a lot of things that happen. And how are you able to to take what you've learned on the football field? I think that's something that's so underrated. Everyone talks about student athletes gets too much, this and that. You know what? If, some, if, if it was easy, what did Coach Bailey tell no. us? If it was easy, then Everybody everyone would, would be do doing it. it. Exactly. But it's not easy. But what happens is you're fortunate enough to have that opportunity, okay? But once that comes to an end, because at some point for all these guys that are playing in the league right now, it's going to come to an end, how do you cope with not playing football? To me, I think it's easy. You learn the skills that you developed on the football field, and you take them with you off the field. And you have to put it to something you have to, put it to use with something else. And you've going to be able to expand off what you know and be able to grow as a person. I think if you're able to do that, you're going to be a hall of
1: famer, regardless if you're in the hall of fame. But it's tough to be so much easier said than done, though. Absolutely, it's a lot easier said than done. But even in addition to taking some of the things that you learned on the football field, take some of the things that you have access to now that you are an affluent person in society. Now that you have a little bit of money to break up, you know. So if if it's going to get a little bit more education or having more connections to be able to learn different skills and stuff like that, be able to use that, know how to leverage that Um, because you have to know if you're an NFL player, you know that this career is coming to an end. So you have to be cognizant of that and know that you can't play forever. So know what your next move is going to be because a lot of players now, they know that. You know, you can't just get your money from the NFL, get your salary or whatever, and then think that after it's done, the money's going to last me forever. That's not going to happen, especially with a high-risk sport like football. You know, you, but maybe today, it's, so, it's, tomorrow, so tough, it's so tough though.
2: It's so tough though for these athletes to be able to cope with that though. Especially, you think about it, okay, you want to talk about numbers? Uh, we can get into that. Fifty-three guys are on each NFL roster. Thirty-two uh, teams. Yeah, you have a couple practice squad guys. Let's say five at most. I mean, teams usually don't do that. Uh, but you know, let's say you have that. So you do the math out. Plenty of opportunities there. But the thing is,
1: though,
2: um, oh, man, what was, where was I going with this, Manny?
1: You were giving me numbers there, Mike. I was
2: doing the numbers. So what I'm saying is, yeah, there's a bunch of opportunities, but for every opportunity that's there, what happens the following year? Someone's going to be gone. You know, there's it's just so much different factors that come into this, Manny, that people don't think about. And I think what the overwhelming part is... Everyone wants to play. Like I said, everyone wants to play in the NFL, but it's short-lived. You know, not everyone's exactly. gonna have that opportunity to get that Hall of Fame and to be able to play a long career. So, you know, it, it sucks. I mean, that's the best way to say it. It sucks that the guys that you know work hard and everything like that, they go into the league and everything, they have these dreams of playing, they're not able to fill you know fill their dreams because things happen. But that's life. And I think a lot of these guys, man, I think where I was going with this, I I got my uh, my train of thought back, was a lot of these guys day one, they've been told that you were the best player, you know? Best player, what happens? You go to the NFL. What happens if injury happens? Let's say you don't have your college degree to fall back on. Now what? And I think that's the issue a lot of these players fall into because they're so determined about their plan A, they've never even thought about a plan B.
1: Yeah, I hear you on that, Mike. I totally hear you on that. You guys got to think of the plan. You know, the times are changing. So it would be foolish for people to come out of college and not think about what life is going to be like after football. First off, or a sport there's nothing to guarantee. Well, if there's some guaranteed money, but all your contracts is not guaranteed when it comes to football. And so it's just like, come on, man, get, be cognizant of the fact that you can't play forever. And some things can go wrong. Um, oftentimes they say that well, something – can go wrong, it will go wrong. I mean, that's a bit of a pessimistic way to live your life, but you got to just just be ready for anything to happen. So just plan what you're going to be able to do after that. I mean, you see the NFL make it so that you have to at least do a, a year or so in college, a couple of years in college, before you can come into the league. So it's just like, come on now. Um, that, that's a great thing for them to be doing, just like the NBA, to make these guys at least get a taste of some education and see what's going on there. But you know, I think it it might eventually come to the point where you might have to finish college before you can go to the NFL, I guess, or not go at all. Or I don't know how they're gonna find that. You're gonna to have to find a gray somewhere in between. But you know, whichever comes first, finish college or you're 21 or something like that, just have a plan to fall back on because uh, you want to see these guys. You want to see these guys be able to take care of themselves after football. But at the end of the day, it's a that so you can do what you want to do: <laughs> be poor or choose to look smart.
2: You know, I think I think Mike Tyson said it best, and I'm looking at the quote as we speak. One of my favorite quotes: Everyone has a play, Everyone has a game plan until like, they get punched in the face. You know. Right. What happens? What happens? It's not It's not even about you know. Let's say you're you get cut from a team. Things happen in the sense that you're not able to control everything in life. We know that. You know that was if If you were able to control everything in life, there would be no war. There would be no problems. Everyone would be living on Cloud9. I mean, life would be perfect. I mean, at the end of the day, really. But at the end of the day, though, I mean, what makes life fulfilling, man? It's being able to go out there and have to overcome obstacles. And I think that's honestly the biggest thing. I mean, these professional athletes, yeah, you know, they've been given the ability to play uh, basketball, NFL, you know, at the highest level, but they're still working every day, you know? And injury happens just like that. They're just they're just regular people too. So it's being able to overcome that stuff. I think that's what makes life so so rewarding at times. But also being able to make a challenge each day. When you get out of bed, I mean, if it wasn't easy, I mean, shit, I mean, why would you get out of bed? I mean, you get to get money for work because you have to go provide. I mean, you're working. Okay, I'm going to stay in bed. I don't need to get money because I don't need to do that because I'm going to be fine because life's easy. No. So there's a bunch of different facts when you talk about that, though. But I, I, I think it's just something that people need to look at as well and in addition to what we were talking about with the Hall of Fame induction. But, Manny, talk about a couple football teams in particular as we wind down to kickoff at 8 o'clock in 10. Talk about the AFC East now. Obviously, the Patriots, You know that. We you know we're going to have a good discussion about them. Is there any other teams that can really get the Patriots to run for their money in the AFC East this year? Mm.
1: I'm trying to think right now, Mike. You know, I, I was actually out at training camp last week and um, I was pretty impressed with what I saw, to be honest with you. But uh, let me see. Think about a couple of other teams that I'm worried about. All
2: right. Well, why are you, why are you thinking I think
1: about I'm a bit worried question? about the Bills. I'm, You're worried honest, about the Bills? I'm a bit worried about the Bills. I'm not sure what they're doing at quarterback right now, but I'm a bit worried about the Bills to be
2: honest with you. I'm not worried at all about the Jets. Well, I mean, the the Bills are trying to do something that they haven't been able to do since 1999, which was well, play in the playoffs. And the last time they were playing in 1999, uh, excuse me, the last time they played in the playoffs, which was 1999, January 23rd to be exact, the Music City Miracle Game, if we recall, versus the Tennessee Titans, and that's how the Bills lost. Bruce Smith was on that team. Uh, the last night, Jack, Bruce Smith is in the Hall of Fame, and he's not coming to Buffalo anytime soon to put pads on. So the Bills need to find someone. So what they've been trying to do, Mario Williams. That's what they're trying to do. That's their main guy to try to step up and play that physical football that the Bills need. I mean, it, it, it's depressing to be a Bills fan, Danny, because here's the thing. You're in a tough division. We know that in the sense that the Patriots have been dominating. Top-to-bottom is division tough? No. But you can't win. You haven't been able to win your divisional games, okay? If Buffalo right. wants to have a successful season, one of the most important keys to achieve this is win the AFC. This is what I wrote. You check this out by like Yuba.com. four down to success, Buffalo Bills. Although the New England Patriots have dominated division for over a decade, like I said, overall, the AFC has been weak despite this. Last playoff birth 99, We'll about the Bills have gone 23 and 43 individual games. Just think about that since 1999, 23 and 43. They went 3 and 3 in the division last year. They keep finishing last in the AFC East. Manny, you can't do anything if you can't come out of that.
1: You've got to get out you, of the Mike. basement sometimes, you know? Yeah, I hear you, Mike, but oh. check this out, check this out. Let me know how you feel about this combination of the family walk and E.J. Manuel. Do you trust E.J. Manuel to be able to get the ball downfield to Mr. Watkins?
2: Well, maybe when it comes down to his blocking, they need a ins they, they need a good, they need a good uh, offensive line, okay? They, they get the fourth, sure. most, fourth most sacks last season. They get 48 last year. In the past two years, 78. I don't care if you have – Jim Kelly back there, you know. Jim Kelly was also the last quarterback to win a playoff game for the Bills. But I don't care if you have Jim Kelly back there because at the end of the day, if you cut Locke, he's not going to have anything. So yeah, EJ, you know, EJ Manuel is going to come back. He obviously needs to be able to to stay healthy. But I I liked what he, I liked what he he saw out of him last year, man. When he was healthy. And I know towards the end of the season he got a little shaky here and there, but it came with the blocks. You need to have good blocks. And I think what we saw was as the season went on and as Daniel went down, Buffalo stepped up with their rush game. You know, being able to run the football, that was huge. Fred Jackson, PJ Spiller, I mean, they combined for eight, they over 1,800 yards last year. Got up to 1,823 team was able to start to have 2,063, so that speaks fine to what they were able to do, but if you're able to play action here and there, because you've got Tammy Watkins out there, the Bills could be a very, very surprising team this year, Manny. Manny. I think we might have lost Manny there for a second, so, but continuing with this Bills talk, yeah, Buffalo, they have a lot of things to prove. They do. They have to go out there. They need to be able to play consistent football. I mean, every any team in the league can say that. But it starts with winning the division. Get it done in the division, okay? You want to talk about the Bills having success? I get it. You want the Bills to be able to have a winning record? I get it. Since their last playoff appearance, Buffalo has gone 88 to 136. They've also only managed to have three winning seasons in that span. 2004. 9-7, 2002, 8-8, eight and eight. 2000, 8-8, eight eight. think about that for a second, three winning seasons since their last playoff appearance, the 98-99 season, that's amazing, that's just absolutely amazing, um, I think we have Manny back, Manny back in here? How are you? Manny, yup, oh, Manny, Well, Manny's back. But uh, yeah, in with that, Manny. I don't know if you were able to hear that. Ah, it, it's amazing though. I mean, then you just do the small things, obviously. But it starts within the division. And I just talked about how they've had only three winning seasons since their last playoff appearance in '99, and the most wins they've had in that span was nine. Nine and seventeen, trying to get the job done. So win the division, but don't worry about necessarily winning the division this year. Okay, got some young talent, develop that, work on the little things. Like I said, run the ball, get manual, comfortable back there, try it with some good blocking, and slowly creep your way out of the
1: bottom of the AFC AFTE, okay, Bills. Let me ask you a question here real quick, Eula. Yes. I know we got limited time remaining, but I want to ask you a quick question. Coming off of all the bullying things going on in Miami, how do you think they're going to come back out and play this season? What do you expect to see from the Miami Dolphins? just staying on that topic at the AFC East.
2: Well, I mean, Miami's always been that team that contends with the Patriots and the reason why I say that is, well, because look back to the last couple of years,
0: the who's the only team play. that has
2: who's the only team that's been able to beat the Patriots for a division title? The Dolphins. So the Dolphins are obviously a team that's you can oh. every year just because it's one of those teams that you can't sleep on. You know, it gets hot down there. They're just gonna to have to play them. They go down to Miami, play this in a different environment, as we all know, compared to playing in New England. It's gonna be much harder early on in the season when they play early. But what happens? What happens now? That the Dolphins—they had all those distractions, and they—I don't care what you say—they were distractions a year ago. The whole Richie Incognito situation and that whole fiasco. the distractions okay, but- are gone now. You know, Tannehill, he's a veteran now. Okay? He's got some years underneath him. He knows what he's doing now. He's going to be looked upon this year to be that guy that's going to fill that void and to be able to carry this team to a playoff. I mean, that, that, that's a no-brainer. My question is, who can step up for the Dolphins to help Tannehill? They need, they need some help. They need some help. I mean, he's not going to be able to get it done on his own. You know, it's not like they have Brandon Marshall or anything because he's in Chicago. I mean, I know he's been gone for a while, but my point is they need guys that are going to step up. They don't have the big game guys over there anymore. You know, they need someone that's going to be able to go out there, make plays, chip away at defense. Okay? That's how the Dolphins are going to win this year. Old school football, working sideline to sideline. Don't worry about going deep. That's what they're going to do, Manny.
1: I mean you got you got Mike Wallace and you got Brian Hartline,
2: you know. And uh Brandon
1: Gibson had a pretty good season in two thousand and thirteen. But you gotta look you gotta look at the offensive line and I think that's where they're really gonna
0: be struggling. They're gonna be starting
1: new guys on the offensive line. Also though, you gotta look at uh I mean Mike Pouncey, he's gonna be out for a while there from anywhere probably like eight games probably.
3: So you gotta look
1: at Pouncey, you gotta look at this offensive line and like, who's giving Tannehill the time to be able to throw this okay, there.
2: No, and I, and I think, and I think another piece of it, maybe that could be huge okay, okay. is No. Sean Moreno. When No. Sean yeah. Moreno was healthy, that was a huge pickup in the offseason. I think we can all agree upon that. Over 1,000 rushing yards last season, 10 touchdowns. He's someone that Miami needs. I mean, you look back to the days when they when they developed that wild card offense. Uh, the wild card, excuse me. I'm thinking baseball already. Wild card. Um, You think about what they were able to do with that, having different running backs, the running back galore. They were able to absolutely kill teams. Why? Because, obviously, it's unorthodox, and you have to be able to game plan for that. But they had so much talent at running back that they were able to wear down defense, piece by piece. So what happens fourth quarter? Okay, play action is going to open up over the top. You know? They're going to have to respect Mm -hmm. the run. So the biggest thing is... And I really believe, I have a lot of faith in Tannehill. I think if Miami's able to develop a run, like you said, block is going to be the biggest question mark for them. If their blocking is on point, or even even to the point where it's it's subpar, because last year was atrocious, if they're able to do that, you know, least get some run going on and whatnot, play action's going to open up. Tannehill could be a quarterback that I'd consider to be in the top ten next year. Okay. Well, wow. I mean, right. you know, with this, the way the league is, Manny, I mean, it, it's turning into a rate of football, you know? You just throw it downfield. It just seems like anyone's going to catch the football nowadays. But if once you have that blend and teams have to respect that, that's where you got them. That's where it's over. And I think that's why we want to talk about, when we want to switch over to the Patriots right now. Why are the Patriots going to have success this season? Well, because teams don't know what they're going to do. We saw it in the postseason when they were able to run the football. Go back to what made you guys great. Go back to the back in the day, 2002, 2003, 2004, 5. Be able to mix things up. Short passes. Brady's not going to throw the football 40 yards downfield. He doesn't have the arm anymore. Sorry, he's not going to go out there and do that three times a game. It's just not going to happen. Short stuff. Run the football. What's going to happen? Passes are going to open up. Little slide routes. Underneath. Receivers. You've seen it. Let me go back to the days when we had Troy Brown. They've given, they've had, I mean, just think about it, Manny. That's what's going to make the Patriots great this season.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, and they're going to make the Patriots great Hey.
2: I think we're losing Manny there. Manny, you can hear us say something?
1: Yep, yeah, I can hear you, Mike.
2: All right, just watch you this. we can repeat what you just said to the
1: fans. Sorry about that, my man. I was saying, though, but it's great to see Gronk back on the field at the beginning of the season. You know, give a little bit of miles on that knee, get, him all, get it all nice and warmed up and everything like that. And hopefully we can have a couple of options on this offensive end. But the defense getting ramped up is what's really going to help us out a lot. Oh, so, you know, Brady's got more options. You know, everybody's got a good feeling around this. I actually ran into Dante Hightower last week, actually, we had a brief conversation, and he was basically saying that, you know, we feel like we're ready to do this thing. I mean, we got all the pieces, so basically it's on, it's on us to go out there and execute. We had a nice little conversation in Chipotle, and uh, <laughs> he actually follows me on Twitter now, which is pretty nice, and i follow him as well. He's a very cool and down-to-earth guy. chicken? Is he a chicken or steak
2: guy?
1: He actually gets the burrito bowl, and he's a, oh, best believe he was a, he's a bowl guy. He's
2: a bowl guy. He's a bowl guy. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. <laughs> for sure. I was a little disheartened because I like a burrito, but it's all right. He's a beautiful bowl guy.
2: Oh, man. But we'll talk about the defense in just a bit because I'm going to say something that could get people a little excited, could really raise some eyebrows, but um, I believe it. Um, with the offense, man, yes, you know, Gronk is going to be huge. But I think in addition to Gronk, why is the offense going to be better this year? They really didn't add anybody in the sense of receivers. I mean, it's pretty much all the same guys that are coming back. But why is okay. this receiving core, even if you put Gronk to the side, okay? Put Gronk to the side. LaFleur, why is this receiving Thompson. core going to be better than last year? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Older. They know. No, it's not even about their role. I mean, yeah, you could say that. But, maybe, they understand what this year is all about now, okay? By the way, we have five minutes before the show is off the year. I just want to throw that out there for listeners. Um, the big thing is they know what they're up against this year. Last year, they're going into the season, well, you know, we got healthy Gronk coming back. You know, we got Hernandez. What happens? Well, Gronk goes down. Hernandez gets arrested. Yeah,
0: it's and, now it,
2: and now instead of being that receiver, maybe you look at some of the guys that are on the bottom, I mean, I don't remember the exact depth chart of how it started last year, but become a number two receiver just because of the way the offense is. they got to go spread. Is that going to be the case this year? could be at times, but at the end of the day, this core knows what's going to happen this year. Why? Because nothing's changed. They understand what they're going into. They haven't had the distractions they had last year with Hernandez. Broncos are just going to cross our fingers and hope the body stays healthy. Changes the game as we know it. So this offense, they're going to have... Oh, and think about it. Going into last season, first game, Tom Brady's top five receivers were all gone. Broncos hurt. Hernandez in jail. They lost Welker. They yep. had, had Danny Woodhead playing for the Chargers. That hurt. I mean, yeah, exactly. So it's amazing how, many, how much people are saying, oh, you know, the Patriots, how are they going to be able to bounce back? Just think about how much they've been able to grow. And I guess you could say having that year under their belt is definitely a huge factor with it. But I, I'm a real firm believer that with everything that happened last off season, it just was too much for these young guys. And I think you're going to see this, this core absolutely dominate this year.
1: Absolutely uh, uh, dominate. Absolutely, Mike. I, I totally agree with you. But then you think about how much this year has helped them as well, just be thrown into the desert like that with no water and somehow fighting your way out to have an awesome season. They had an awesome season. Although we didn't win the thing, Although we didn't get as far as as far as we like, we had an awesome season. I mean, you look at guys on our wide receiver core like like Dobson and Kembro Tompkins, like, come on, man. You didn't think they were going to do anything, these two first-year guys. Dobson couldn't catch, uh, couldn't catch a pillow that was thrown at him for a while there. But, you know, these guys got a year under their belt. And, and Tompkins came out looking like a stud by the end of the season, making some big catches, you know what I'm saying, before he got out there for a while. But then you think about those guys, so they've taken strides. They're no longer rookies, so they probably learned how to catch and got tired of Tom yelling at them all the time. But then again, you look at Julian Edelman. This man was the man last year. Had to be. Now he's going to be in a position where he's used to being the man. Saying and Now everybody in New England is saying, oh, Welker who? It doesn't matter who Welker is because we've got Julian Edelman now. So you're going to have that. You're going to have Grunt coming back. You're going to have a ton of stuff going on. Mayo's back healthy. We're going to have Dante Hightower, Big Vince back. You know what
2: I mean? Not so right, that, to that, that's that's cut you off, we're going to go to defense real quickly. We only have about a minute and a half left. So I'm going to try to get this out there because I'm sure it's going to make you have some comments. But this defense, okay, the reason why I'm excited about this defense, obviously when you have a healthy Vince Wilfork, you have a good front seven that stays healthy, Mayo come back, that's huge. But man, I'm telling you right now, these are two things. Obviously, Bolden. I mean, uh, Brandon. Oh my God! Excuse me. Uh, where was I going with this? Uh, Darrell Reeves, have Darrell Reeves at corner man. Okay, we have yep. not had a guy at corner. We talked about this a couple of years ago. We're at, four, we're at 45 seconds here, real quick. Ty Law. That's the last time so we got him. a guy like this. Ty Law. Ty Law. Can blitz. Ty can play zone. Ty can play yeah, man. Keep you up in your grill, and that's exactly what Reeves has to do this year. We haven't had, and Manny, who's on the other side of the corner.
0: Rounder you know exactly baby.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you right now, his physicality. I know he's a corner, and I know this guy was a safety, Rodney Harrison. I'm telling you right now, physicality. We've Boom. not seen it since then. So we're up against the time right now, Manny. We have about 15 seconds. You just want to add anything on on yeah, top I'm, of what I just said there? That's
1: what I want. And I can't wait to see these boys come out now. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's going to be a good season in New England this year. I want to see us get back to the ship, And when we do, I'm going to be talking all the trash in America. I'm talking get your dump trucks out because I'm coming with the.
2: Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for tuning in, That's manly. Good. Always a pleasure. Hopefully we'll be back to our station next week. If not, we'll figure it out. Follow us and get all the details at Riggs and the U. On Twitter. But, guys, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the football game tonight. Football is finally back. Take
0: care and have
2: a good one.